Hi there, I'm James Dapache, and this is Coffee and a Case Note. Team, today we're going to talk about a quarry. And this is a quarry that was founded in about the 1960s and over the years was closely related to one family uh, so, so through the generations. That's not strictly relevant, but just useful background facts. Now, what is this quarry all about? This quarry is all about getting some rocks out of the ground uh, and those rocks are gabbro, or what you and I might know as granite. Relevantly for us, there are two different kinds of gabbro or granite that we're dealing with. There's first grade, uh, and we can understand what first grade is when I talk about second grade. So uh, first grade is uh, the granite that you and I might have seen on sort of bench tops and exciting renovation shows and that sort of thing um, that has very few impurities. That's essentially one sort of single color. And then second grade gabbro, second grade granite uh, has some sort of veins and impurities running through it. And as you might imagine, the market for first grade granite uh, is willing to pay more money and is more excited about buying uh, granite than, uh, than second grade granite. Today, relevantly for us, we're talking about a partnership that was a partnership between two companies and that operated the quarry between the years of 1996 and 2003. And what we've got, uh, as we do in a vast majority of litigation, is we've got some plaintiffs and we've got some defendants. And remember, plaintiffs are the people who want something. They're the people coming to court to ask for something. What do the plaintiffs want? Well, before we get into that, I need to tell you a little bit more about the partnership. One of the things I need to tell you is how the money of the partnership was paid out. So what happened was there's a partnership agreement between these two partners, they're corporations, and the partners agreed that they'd go about the business of quarrying. And so what they did was they dug the rocks out of the ground and do whatever uh, quarry masters do. Uh, and then they caused it to be sold from the money, from the sales, a commission's paid to the salesperson. And that's a salesperson who's been related to the family, you know, for, for a number of decades, so knows this quarry well. And that salesperson actually divvies up much of the money. And that money's divvied as profits to the partners. It's divvied as, you know, wages and for things like expenses of running the quarry. It's divvied to pay the lease for the people that own the quarry. It's divvied to pay mining royalties. And it's also divvied off to defendant one for payments that defendant one himself uh, cannot even fully explain. So there are these payments made off to defendant one. And the plaintiffs say we're objecting to a number of things. One of the things we're objecting to is those payments to defendant one. We say we want them back. That is money had and received by defendant one that we want back. What the plaintiffs also say is that we want an order from the court dissolving the partnership, causing the whole thing to come to an end. And we want an order for the taking of partnership accounts and the taking of partnership accounts is exactly what it sounds like. Uh, an order saying, we want the court to say, someone needs to you know, go through all this stuff and uh, figure out how much money's in the partnership and what the assets are, and to divvy that up and send it out to the partners in their appropriate proportions. So, what happens? There are a number of different things. Oh, one thing I didn't mention is that there's a significant dispute about uh, subsequent agreements that are entered into after 2003. We're not going to touch those because as I think you're about to learn, there's probably enough complexity and detail for my feeble brain uh, to handle today in communicating the facts I've already let you know about. So let's dive into those now. So 
The first issue, um, as you might recall, is the question of, well, what is to be done about these payments made to the defendant? Well, um, what the court has to do is to dive into what is this partnership all about? And remember, the partnership agreement itself uh, was for quarrying, and there's this fine distinction that says, right, does that mean the partnership is about quarrying and not sale and marketing, you know, and not the actual sale of the gabbro that is drawn out of the ground? And the court uh, found fairly comfortably the answer to that was no, that was not the position. The position was that the partnership included the sale of the gabbro. And what that means is that the proceeds of sale of the gabbro were assets of the partnership. And so some of these partnership assets were paid off to the first defendant in the way that upset the plaintiffs. Now, what was interesting and possibly frustrating for the plaintiffs was that the plaintiffs had said that is money had and received by the defendant and so should be re repaid. They did not suggest there was a constructive trust, which is to say that the defendant held money on trust for others, uh, pursuant to Barnes and Addy um, and that sort of thing. They also did not sue the partner for a breach of the partner's fiduciary duties in causing the money to be paid to defendant one. They had this claim of money had and received. And frankly, because they didn't raise either of those other two limbs that jumped out to the court, um, the court said, well, it's not money had and received, and so you lose. And so the plaintiffs failed in their claim against the first defendant because they didn't identify what legal rights they had to claw that money back from the first defendant. Hmm. Another issue, remember the dissolution of the partnership? Now we've spoken about partnership law in the past and it's actually quite easy to dissolve a partnership. Um, there are a large number of ways to do it and a number of them are pretty easy indeed. Uh, and as the litigation progressed, the parties agreed that in fact the partnership did come to an end in 2003. So the plaintiff's application to dissolve the partnership just sort of fell away and the court didn't need to deal with it. Now we turn to this fiddly question of the taking of partnership accounts. Now, do you remember we spoke about first grade and second grade Gabbro? Hold on to those facts because they're going to get interesting. And the other thing that I need to raise with you is this issue that is loosely defined as the right to mine. Right? Remember, what's the partnership doing? Digging down to the ground, getting some rocks, um, you know, cutting them up, selling them. Now, in order to do that, you have to get the permission of the people who own the land. Now, the people who own the land were sort of linked to some of the um, defendant entities, but they were not either of the partners themselves. And so what was said was that some of the defendant's contribution to the partnership was uh, that the defendants will contribute to the partnership the right to mine. Now, what the court had to do in part was to dive into the fairly complex history. The quarry is actually two separate pieces of land. The owners change over time. Um, some of them are, are part of the litigation, some of them are not, and it gets a little bit complex. But the real fundamental point is that the right to mine is not something that the defendants can promise because they don't have it. What the defendants can promise is to essentially do their best to cause the people who do have the rights to mine to grant those rights to the partnership for those years 1996 to 2003. And in fact, that is what happened because the partnership did all that mining. But what that also means in the context of taking a partnership account 
is it that right to mine, that, that suggestion that there is a one single right that is a right to mine and that is an asset of the partnership falls away because that right is actually a right of the uh, landowners and the people who have mining licenses and all this fiddly stuff that uh, is sort of outside of my area and not particularly relevant for us today. Um, they weren't part of the partnership and so that very literal and precise right to mine is not an asset of the partnership, so that falls away. The one other asset of the partnership is what is thought of as the stockpile. This is an alleged asset of the partnership. Now we get back to our first grade, second grade. So as you're operating a quarry, as you or I do every day, you and I both being quarry masters, what we do is we go into the quarry, we go, great, here's some first grade gabbro, we're going to take that aside and turn it into some bench tops and sell it to some rich people who will be slightly less rich after uh, paying us, so that'll be good. And as we go, we find some second grade gabbro and some other material as well, and we go, oh, second grade, no, let's put that in a pile over here. And over the years, and indeed over the decades, as you and I get on with our quarry master work, um, we're going to actually build a fairly big stockpile. And this second grade gabbro is not worth zero. Uh, it has, um, there's evidence suggesting that it, that it does have some, some commercial value at times, um, depending on the market. And as we separate the first grade from the second grade, we're using giant machines or something like that, no doubt some of that stockpile comes to contain first grade gabbro as well. So we're not absolutely surgical in removing every single bit of first grade and every single bit of second grade. So over the years, over the decades, we have this stockpile. And the stockpile contains a commanding amount of second grade gabbro, granite, but also a significant amount of first grade as well. And so what our plaintiffs are saying today is we need to take a, an account of this stockpile that is attributable to the partnership. It's a partnership asset, this stockpile. Now, they encounter huge problems dealing with this issue. One of the issues they bump into is because this stockpile is made and there is earth and road base and stuff put on top of it, there's one argument they need to confront of, well, hang on, has this now become a fixture? Has this now become a part of the land? The answer to that is no, but, but you can see the complexity. There are other issues such as, well, how on earth are we going to estimate the size of this stuff? Um, are we going to have little machines that can sort of send a little sonar echo into the ground and form an estimate based on this? And there are a lot of experts who get involved. And one expert opines that it would be impossible to value. As you can imagine, uh, firstly, it's very difficult to know the proportion of second grade to first grade because no one's you know, ticking off uh, first grade, second grade as it goes in. And secondly, it's very difficult to estimate the volume. And there's even a mention of, of one witness using sort of a measure of footsteps and then, you know, an estimate based on that. And so the court has to, has to come to this really tricky issue to say, well, how on earth are we going to come to understand what is under the ground? And um, the other fundamental issue is, well, this is a stockpile that's built up over decades. And there is evidence that suggests there was some of it before 1996. And there certainly was some added after 2003. How on earth is the court going to be able to say this slice of the stockpile is attributable to the 1996 to 2003 partnership and not to anything else? How on earth do we perform that forensic exercise? And what the court finds essentially is that it is an impossibility. 
And so the taking of partnership accounts, what the plaintiffs want to do, they want to deal with this right to mine. Well, the right to mine fell away for reasons we just discussed. They want to deal with the stockpile being an asset of the partnership. Well, it fell away because of the impossibility, firstly, of knowing the volume of all this stuff under the ground. Secondly, of knowing what proportion is going to be first grade, second grade. Thirdly, presumably quantification. How are we going to get numbers on that when the market fluctuates? And fourthly, how do we uh, sever out the 1996 to 2003 part of that stockpile in order to make sure it is part of the partnership assets? And in addition to failing on dissolution of the partnership, failing on partnership accounts, failing on getting those payments back from the first defendant, the plaintiffs also failed on that contractual point that I said we weren't going to discuss. So the plaintiffs failed entirely, the proceedings were dismissed. And I hope that discussion over an increasingly watery cold drink coffee, that's not a very attractive colour, is it, was of value to you. And I'll look forward to speaking again soon over another coffee and in respect of another case note. Cheers. Too watery.